Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Actung, actung. Welcome to We Have Ways, 12 Days of Christmas Guests, where we're talking to a famous face about what the Second World War means to them. Now, today we have the star of one of my favourite sitcoms ever, the actor Ben Wilbond from Ghosts. Welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Or should it be Tally Ho, Tally Ho today, Jim? I think it should. And we are joined by a very special guest. Um, someone actually who have been trying to get on the podcast for quite a while. But, you know, our fundamental... Busy he's, a busy, he's a busy man. We're busy people. But here he is. Who have we got, Jim? Well, I have to say I am particularly extra excited today because yeah. um, uh, <laughs> I, I'm a massive fan. And... Um, uh, our, our guest today is uh, a screenwriter, he's an actor, he's a star of Horrible Histories, but also, particularly, which is what getting me excited, um, he's one of the writers and stars of Ghost, which I have to say is literally my favourite ever sitcom. Oh, I completely love this show. Um, <laughs> I love Ben in it. Um, I also loved in episode one, he, he had me very, very early on when there's uh, there's two ghost um, Luftwaffe pilots hanging outside the uh, outside a window. <laughs> yeah, um, and um, I'm assuming that was your touch, Ben. But but um, welcome and thank you for coming on. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I um, honestly, I uh, remember discovering your fabulous podcast about two years ago. In fact, it was this time of year. It was Christmas, and I was uh, working away in the kitchen and. I just thought, oh, I need, I need a, I need a good podcast, and I just, I knew, I knew that uh, Al was doing it. I knew that you were doing it, and I thought, oh no, yeah, give it a go, and I was hooked, absolutely hooked. It's such a, a treat to put on and dive into. It really is, and I, and it re, it's reignited my uh, love of the subject. I mean, we'll we'll get into all of this. We'll get into all. Well, this, you, but, you're rapidly um, becoming my my favourite ever guest as well. But ben, ben, it's fair to say you kind of had a similar indoctrination on the subject as I did. Right. My father, you know, uh, the colonel sort yeah. of, I, 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 I had written no choice but to be sort of tractor beamed into being interested in the Second World War. Yeah. And I think you're probably the same, aren't you? Uh, very much so, yeah. Um, it's it's really funny. Is it when, when we were at your festival uh, in the summer and you said, oh, the colonel's here. And I go, oh, great. The group captain's here as well. So <laughs> my uh, my dad uh, my dad the group captain uh yes he he um you know he served for a lot you know a long time and and obviously my 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 childhood was military it was all about military and um and by extension really uh, the second world war and i was thinking about this earlier just thinking about dates and how close uh, obviously my my dad was born in 46 so, you know, he's one of the um, immediate post-war generation. And then, you know, he was reminding me, uh, reminding me about rationing. He still remembers the rationing in the 50s yeah. and, and all that. Yeah. And um, I come along and, of course, I'm, you know, we're, we're still only like, you know, talking 30, 40 years from the end of the Second World War. So it's a, and during my childhood and, uh, you know, at school, we were all, for, for boys anyway, at least, yeah. it was a big topic of conversation of course it was our parents were 
very close to it. Our grandparents were, uh, you know, serving uh, in the Second World War. So it was, it was always there, you know, and I, and I sort of, you know, throughout life, you kind of, you take that for granted, I guess. And then, and then you come back to it later in life. Okay, of course I had an interest. Of course, that's, that's where it came from because I was sort of yeah. surrounded by it. Uh, yeah, particularly at school. Yeah, I remember all that. I remember when I was, when I was going out. You know, we used to have a, a teacher at school who used to teach yeah. CE, which was classical education. Basically, yeah. be, you know, once a week he'd just stand up and tell us a Greek myth, which is brilliant. But he'd, <laughs> you know, he'd been been in Burma. You yeah, know, and we used to go, sir, yeah. sir, did you kill any chaps? Oh. And all yeah. this kind of stuff. And, <laughs> and it was, you know, it was just absolutely, you know, and school was cold. It's that was you yeah, know, it just, of just course, was. exactly. And and no, very much. So and my experience. mother used to say. You're putting far too much butter on your toast, you know. In the war, dot dot dot. Yeah. Um, so you're right, no, and, was, and um, you know there it, were action men, weren't there, and models. Exactly. And, it was it was totally know. the same, and we oh. had um, we had a, a, a an ancient uh, rev reverend at our school who would uh, on the weekends you'd see him. He still had his old combat trousers, and you, if we got him <laughs> talking about the war, he was a he was a Gurkha officer. No. And um, he was he was just extraordinary leathery old geezer who <laughs> who had <laughs> extraordinary stories, you know. So we we were just like I say, surrounded surrounded by it uh, all the time. So that's how yeah, that's how I came to it. And then later in uh, life, uh, the group captain got very very interested, more and more interested, and more and more involvement in his charity work and the work for Bentley Priory and the museum. Right. And, you know, he started writing a book and he has a library that looks a little bit like yours, James, from where I'm sitting. Um, <laughs> just a, an absolute, you know, bookshelf stuffed with um, sort of tomes of, uh, of fantastic detailed military history. So, yeah, I, I feel myself being, uh, uh, like you say, our tractor beamed into that same same. I mean, world. I had the, I mean, I had the, the good fortune last year when we were filming uh, my Sky History program. Why did the British win every war? Um, yeah. To to be to have range cutting explained to me by your father. Yes, at Bentley Priory. Right, and he did his best. <laughs> right, <laughs> I still remember him. He was he was based at um, up in Northumberland. At RF Bulmer, that was his. Uh, that was his command when he was a station commander there. So it was a kind of, um, you know, radar base and uh, air sea rescue base. Actually, I went up in a Sea King. It was fantastic. Anyway, oh, he, wow. I, I brought a whole group of friends up, and we were heading to Edinburgh. And I remember, you know, these are all like cool students, and they're all <laughs> we're all in all in my house. <laughs> and uh, my parents very kindly put me up. And then I came downstairs and found my dad talking to a friend about. <laughs> about the big wing theory and they're just going dad I, I i'm not sure i'm not sure they're interested in uh in how we won the battle of britain but you know he was he just saw some supple minds that needed um, yeah he just needed, needed he, just, he just absolutely needed to tell to tell people this so yeah it was um <laughs> uh that's a that's a funny memory that popped back into my head um, that's an identical instant to a student house i shared in with my dad came to see us and i i don't know i went to the loo or something when i came back he's going on about soe well of right. course as you know that <laughs> flatmates with a thousand yard stare that's great that's really good well that's the other thing about people who know an awful lot about extreme detail of the second world war and other military matters is, is a huge amount of assumed knowledge 
in other people. Yes. Yeah. Well, of course. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, of I course, when that. Lee Mallory was. Yeah. I think uh, I think my writing partner Lawrence Rickard, who um, long suffering in my knowledge of uh, various, I mean, I honestly, don't ha- I'm just scratching the surface. But um, we've uh, written a uh, screenplay all about the Second World War, and it's terribly exciting. Have you? And yes, well, which we. Which you, we, you we, say we, we can get into. State secret. Well, we, I, no, it's not a state secret at all. But uh, I, you know, I was just sort of bombarding him with going. Well, of course, you know, you know, when the SOE they were, uh, he was going. Why, why are you talking to me like this? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, so I enjoyed that. <laughs> well, that sounds yeah. very exciting, and and is a sign that it's um. You know, well, see it's, uh, I know it's something writing like, screenplay is one thing, isn't it? Getting it to the oh yeah, no, it's. I think um, the uh, getting a uh, a film made in the UK is a very it can be very long and tricksy process because we don't have um, the sort of same studio setup that uh, Hollywood does, or you know, even France. You know, so you you've got to sort of um, and and making uh, making films that when you go in and say it's a comedy people get a little bit nervous because they're very hard to pull off they're very hard things to to get right so we've been showing this screenplay to to um people uh, for for a long time uh but it's all ready to go and i just need i need somebody to go ah yes what we need is um we need a comedy about a bunch of misfits uh saving saving the world well sas rogue heroes may have moved mm. the, moved the dial on all that because the second yeah, world war's so. cool again uh, i mean i uh i I really, really enjoyed that uh, series, and I know, and I sort of did watch it with that little uh, bit of guilt about about its inaccuracies. Yeah, because I, I watch it on one hand, almost it's it's almost as if the group captain's sitting next to me on the sofa, going, "No, no, <laughs> no." <laughs> but then, but then I have my screenwriter head on, going, "Of course, you've got to do it that way. Of course, you have to have the um, artistic license to." To tell the story that way, otherwise, I often think, um, you know, when you're when you're getting into that sort of historical uh, context, uh, you want to explain to people, look, it's um, to tell a story. You have to, you have to have that artistic license to tell that story. Otherwise, yeah. you will be sitting there just watching very historically accurate depiction of people just uh, putting a base together in the desert. Now, maybe you want to watch that. I mean, I, that would, yeah. I, I would, you know. I would like that, but there would be no story. So it's um, well, there'd be lots you know, of cleaning of rifles if it was really lots of cleaning of rifles. People sit, the sitting around out. cleaning their rifles over and over again. Yeah, well, uh, Ben, I can, I can, I can sympathise with with the difficulties. Though. I mean, you know, trying to trying to get anything off the ground has been. I mean, Alan knows about this, but I, you know, yeah. I, had, I had this 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 novel I wrote some years ago, and and then I adapted it into a screenplay, and yeah, you know, we we, we had. We had actors on board. We had locations. We we worked Amazing. out how we were going to create Takali Airfield, wow. um, actually on Malta. It was like the one place in the entire island where we could do it. Is this the and, Tanner um, uh, series? Is this? No, it's not Tanner. It's it's um it's a book called A Pair of Silver Wings. Ah, okay, okay. And we even had William Hurt. <laughs> you know, wow. William Hurt was signed up, and Martin Shaw, yeah. and, and Freddie Highmore, and people like that. It was all very, incredibly exciting. And then we, and then we, we did, we did auditions in Rome, uh, and and staggeringly good-looking blokes and girls um, yeah. turned <laughs> up into a into <laughs> into this this room in in Rome, and and went through you know stuff that I'd written, and it was all incredibly exciting. 
and absolutely nothing for more has happened. And William Hurt has passed away, and, and <laughs> yeah. COVID happened, and it's just completely ground to a total halt. It's it's so dispiriting because I mean I would have thought that holding auditions in Rome by that stage, you're thinking, right, we're on our way here. Where it's all yeah. going to happen? Totally, totally. We had we had farmhouses in Northern Italy in the Apennines. You know, it was all it was all locked in. You know, we, we we're, we're it's oven ready. Stuff of dreams. But um, I had a, a, a friend of mine, a filmmaker, who who said, yeah, we were we were literally, we were sitting there first day. I was on set. I was behind the camera. I was about to call action. And then these guys came and went, shut it down. Shut it down. It's like, Jesus. what? And the, the, wow. the funding had just been pulled. And he, they literally packed up and went home. He was like, cool. I thought we were. Why? I thought we were. They're, they're just there. It was a funding issue. And um, the, oh, uh, you know, the money had just gone. And so you just go, eee. so it's just, you know, and then once something's been up and nearly made, then people go, Ooh, there must be a reason why that wasn't made. So I'm, I'm going to stay clear of that. It's, it's yeah, a, yeah, it's tarnished for it's life. It's a really, yeah. uh, it's a really tough business when it's at that end, when you're in the sort of weeds of that end of the business. Yeah. Particularly, like I say, in the UK, you can make a, a real shootable, low budget indie. And, you know, people will get on board and you hope that then it'll, it'll do well at festivals or you're convincing people, particularly if you're doing a period piece, yeah. uh, which I've done, you're convincing people to part with millions. You know, there's no getting yeah, around yeah. that. You can't, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. you just got to, particularly if you've got- I think our budget was 15. Well, that's, yeah, that's extraordinary. I mean, that's- um, You know, it was a lot, but not a lot, if you just mean. No, exactly. That's, I mean, it, it's, I mean, it's an enormous amount of money, but- when you talk to producers who, you know, experienced producers, they go, as soon as you press go, that money, you're just shoveling that money into a big yeah. sort of yeah. furnace. It just, it just disappears, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. And then there's anyway. interesting things about, about sort of tax breaks in certain places. And yeah. You can get, you can get all sorts of uh, great, great places to shoot. But if you're trying to do something like uh, Rogue Heroes, um, I knew somebody uh, worked on it, uh, uh, like a crew member. And they say, you know, they shot a fair bit over here, I think, and had to sort of mock up certain sort of desert scenes, but do it here because you you can't sort of afford to be on location all that time. And you got all the pickup shot, you know, it's an incredibly uh, expensive undertaking. So it must have been, you know, a long time in prepping, but I thought it was uh, terrific. I thought, you know, yeah, uh, I love for, for pure entertainment value. And, and, you know, again, going back to the formation of, um, how it all came together and the thinking behind it. And then just sort of delving into the history, you know, of, of what was happening in that part of the world at that time and why there was a kind of frustration and a need to, to try and turn the tide of the war. It's, it's incredible stuff, really, when you think about it, how they, A, let these people <laughs> go out into the desert and just mix it up. <laughs> I just thought it was extraordinary. Well, it's sort of, it's sort of a mark of how chaotic things are that there's, yeah. you know, the army's so disorganized. You can actually, you've got the wiggle room to do that. Yeah. And I'm sure it's, you know, later on, once eighth army has got its act together, it doesn't, they, they, it yeah. doesn't fit so well, does it? it, it no, the thing. exactly. The bit of um, disconnect for me, because like I say, I've got so many gaps in my knowledge, but um, the commandos had been formed by then, hadn't they? So, so some of them were coming from that, that sort of, mindset that training so they'd um yeah so they'd, they'd, they'd sent over a force to to the idea was that they were going to go and capture roads or something right um, and so they were going to be sort of pirates in 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 the mediterranean and then it just didn't 
they couldn't quite sort of get it all together. So suddenly you had yeah. the, you had this 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 commando force called Lay Force under yeah. under under Colonel Bob Laycock, and it was just sort of differing around, not really no focus. No one knew quite how to use it because it had been conceived in England without sort of warning. Uh, Wavell or, you know, any of the powers that be out in the Middle East. And so suddenly they turn up and they go, well, we don't really know what to do with you. So then they all sort of faffed about. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then a whole load of them got kind of captured in Crete. And it sort of, they they ended up being sort of slightly dispersed and everyone started getting a bit restless, which is the point that Sterling and and, um, gets together with Jot Lewis. And, you know, Jot Lewis has been doing raids from Tobruk. I mean, that bit at the beginning was true. I mean, what it didn't explain was, why David Sterling's in a long column and, and running out of fuel and can't get to Tobruk, but but yeah. but Jot Lewis seems to come and go with with impunity <laughs> into Tobruk. Well, the reason, of course, is that he get, he's getting there by ship by boat, yeah. yeah, um, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. I don't know why they didn't explain that, but no. Well, there's one of those um, things. So he was think. doing that, but 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 the, you know, so there's a lot of these guys, who, and the reason they've all joined up in the commandos is because they're they're, they're disruptors. You know, they're they're, yeah. they're they're posh boys totally who are true. used to kind of doing whatever they want. Yeah. They don't like yeah. army discipline. They like kind of just going mad. And they're yeah. used to kind of stalking mountains and, you know, going stalking yeah. deer on mountains and things. So they like the outdoor life. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy, too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics U.S. wherever you get your podcasts. You know, there's still an element of that now, isn't there? So if you mm. if you sort of go for selection now, you know, I, lo- I love those selection stories. So, you know, you get this huge intake and then uh, dawn the next day, about half of them have gone because <laughs> they've just gone up. They've gone up. They've gone up into the Brecon Beacons and gone, nah, I don't reckon I can do this. Yeah. And then the rest of them are yeah, like, no, this is what I want to do. Hard work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, always makes me smile.
Well, I mean, um, Evelyn, Evelyn War writes really well about all that. It, you know, yeah. it's quite clear that he's not making any of it up. People yeah. s- sort of going into the Scottish islands, going up mountains and blowing things up with dynamite for the sake of it. And yeah. sort of having fun. I mean, it's quite yeah. interesting because if what these people want is action, they, they would actually be better off join, joining a just a line regiment and, and they'd yeah. get they'd get all the action, all the shooting shoot as many Germans as they like. You know, it's it's that they don't they're, they're sort of square pegs, isn't it? Yeah, that's uh, yeah, because they're yeah. all a bit they're all a bit kind of sort of pigeonholed into into the kind of army discipline. You yeah. know what all everyone likes right. about the commandos is is that you know they're all going to go off to Finland and and then they're not then and then they're going to yeah. they're the ski battalion. So they get on a train and drink champagne all the way to sort of Chamonix. Yeah, um, and it all sounds like a bit of a laugh. Um, you yeah, know, with the sort of people that they knew at public school, yeah. um, who like to drink and go a bit mad. And yeah. when things aren't happening in North Africa in in the summer of 1941, they it, it, you know they all start getting restless, and that that's that's what prompts David Sterling. And David Sterling is always one for schemes. You know, he's constantly thinking of you know my neck. It, yeah. it's, it's almost like a sort of get rich quick plan, but it's always some some madcap scheme, and nearly all of them fail. Um, but it's just that, but fortunately for him. He managed to recruit Paddy Main, and he also yeah. got Jot Lewis, who's incredibly focused and disciplined, and completely yeah. opposite of him. Yeah. And, and the three of them together are able to kind of sort of put, you know, Sterling's charm combined with Lewis's drive and um, Main's brilliance as a soldier. That that's a winning ticket. Yeah, it's um, you know, the the innovation and the I don't know, just the just the war being such an extreme time in everyone's lives, and them having to solve these problems and that's what i that's the other uh part of that period that i find so fascinating is that you get groups of people together and they have to solve this problem because for me it's so it's so sort of i'm actually taught you know starting to talk to my son about the, the second world war and he's obviously he's he's doing it at school so he's he's interested in all these little moments and as i sort of give him a sketchy sort of outline of, you know, 39 to 45 and, and who was where, um, it always occurs to me that as the Germans just powered through Northern Europe at lightning speed, like terrifying, and you had the retreat from Dunkirk and, you know, this, this sort of, this sort of ho- horrible realization in the UK that we were almost certainly going to be invaded. And I can't even imagine what that must have felt like at the time. Yeah. And, you know, that just put a fire under everyone to go, you know what? We've got to we've got to find a we've got to find a way out of this. So there was this sort of yep. incredible spirit of, um, you know, we've got to get groups of people together and we've got to think really quickly about how we're going to uh, repel this invasion. And then when they're on the counterattack, you know, fighting this uh, incredible superior, just in numbers as much mm-hmm. as anything else, uh, army. You know, you've got to be innov- in- innovative. You've got to be. You got to think quickly. You got to think outside the box, and that's what I—that's what I like about those uh, stories about um, the SAS and SOE and all those. Yeah, and you're absolutely right, Ben, because they're all born out of that. That they, yeah. they all emerge out of this. Yeah. That okay, moment. Well, we haven't got a yeah. huge army of three hundred divisions. Yeah. Um. You know, we haven't got all this stuff. We haven't got enough of anything. We haven't got enough tanks yeah. to go round in 1941. So what else can we do? Uh, and that's exactly where the commandos comes from, and it's exactly where SOE comes yeah. from. Yeah. Um. And and it's exactly fundamentally where where the SAS comes from as well. 
Um, yeah, you're absolutely right, and it's very easy now to sort of go, oh well, you know, they were never going to be, they were never going to be um, uh, invaded. The Germans didn't have the wherewithal, but you know, you try telling that to people in beginning of yeah, June, exactly. 1940. It doesn't seem that way at all. No, they could just, I mean, you know, sure, sail across the channel. But then I always get, then I always sort of think, well, had that happened. I, you know, it would have been miserable for that. I mean, they, you know, there would have been guerrilla, um, guerrilla war, and it would have just been terrible mix up for the Germans. They would have just crawled back across the channel. I reckon we just wouldn't no. have made their lives, uh, you know, happy at all. I, I'm, I think I'm it guessing. would have caused them far more complications and problems. Than, of course, yeah, than I think it might have solved. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, Ben, did you? I mean, you've played officers a lot, haven't you? Do, yeah. do, do you think that's a is that like an, an easy fit? Do you think is having grown up with, with a group captain? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, growing up around that. So I, my school was very military, and um, sort of, but you know, lots of military kids, families of military w- went there, and it was a sort. Of, we had this enormous uh, cadet force. I mean, is that all the school was part of the cadet force? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, this is all uh, sounding very familiar. And I, so I kind of, um, you know, it's the eighties. Uh, it's the Cold War. I just it's extraordinary when I think about it. I tell I tell you know, or throughout the last sort of twenty years, casually mentioning this in pubs and stuff, going, going, sorry, what you you knew how to strip a Lee Enfield? Yeah, <laughs> yes, I knew how to strip a Lee Enfield, and then I knew how to strip an SA eighty that was also kept on the school premises. We were sort of we were we were convinced uh, at one stage, I think that. Um, we were the, probably going to be the last line of defense as the Russians came through the uh, tree line at <laughs> the north of school. They'll come from the north, of course. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was that sort of, you know, we were making plans for. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, it was, we were absolutely surrounded by it and surrounded by um, quite, quite <laughs> funny, funny, quite, you know, I mean, obviously the. the the, the characteristics of the captain in ghost comes from somewhere. Um, and it's uh, a lot of it is from uh, school and though, and schoolmasters who were schoolmasters as a sort of a very minor, you know, not, not a particularly very good uh, uh, public school <laughs> uh, that had no sort of great academic track record or whatever. I've got to say, this is all sounding incredibly familiar. Right, there you yeah, go. This, yeah. this won't be news to, to many people. And then and then Friday afternoons, they would suddenly be, you know, colonels and captains and, you, and just absolutely absurd uh, people. Right, now, form up. Now, uh, what we're doing today is, and you're like, okay, well... Um, <laughs> Uh, sorry, what's going on? <laughs> Firing at each other. And I, was in, I was in our combined cadet force and, and yeah. I absolutely loathed it. And what I loathed more than anything else was the itchy shirt we had to wear. I just oh couldn't goodness, bear yeah. it. But you And you could try and get away with wearing a T-shirt underneath, but if you got caught, you're in big shit. And, yeah. and, um, and I thought the only way I'm going to get out, get round is if I get, if I become an NCO, then I can, right. you know, I can get an easier life. So I did a thing called Carter. And um, I had Mm. to, so so I became a sergeant. And I remember we had army people come in and teach us how to do how to strip a Lee Enfield, exactly as you say, number four. And um, (laughs) and I get referred to as a gun. It's not a gun; it is a rifle. It was all this kind of stuff. Brilliant. Then I remember going on this exercise, and 
and and and the blue team had to sort of take out the capture some flag on the top of a in, in a on a wood in a in a hill, and we had to capture this flag from, uh, from a wood on the top of a hill. And I remember being on this valley and just firing blanks at people that I could see <laughs> running across the, across the valley from all below. <laughs> absolutely, I mean, there was no health and safety whatsoever. It was well, absolutely. We, this is that that was almost the 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 great fun of it was um, people chucking flashbangs at each other and yeah. you know. Yeah. We were in the Enfields at close range, which you're not supposed to do. No, you're um, not. We, I mean, we had the demonstration <laughs> of how dangerous a blank was. Yeah. Where they, they, they put up a, <laughs> one of those running man targets, you know, the old yeah. NATO running man target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and they put some ketchup behind it and they fired at the, you know, from sort of four or five yards. And it, they'd catch up everywhere. We we're all told, behave yourselves and be careful. Yeah. Then inevitably no one, no one was. Yeah. I mean, I went to, I went to Warcopt. You know, I did. Man- we did manoeuvres there, Amazing. and then, and then I, I went to Osnabrück on a on a cadet camp. Did I was you? totally, yeah, I was I was yeah. totally into it until You're the in. point where yeah. you had to you had to decide whether you want to be NCO or not. And I didn't want the responsibility. I was I was happy being a a grunt, being a private, and not having to make any decisions. <laughs> and we went to Osnabrück and got driven around in APCs, and 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 it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, the- camped out in this wood, <laughs> and then were attacked in the middle of the night by yeah. by the by the regular army, which is they're terribly exciting. Go- they're always going to attack you in the night. That's 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 yeah. the uh, that's part. Which of is the, something uh, the Germans business. didn't really do. No, right. I, I've just remembered a really funny story actually. So, yeah. so my my friend at school, Rupert Lyons, he had to he went on the um, he went on the camp uh, on the camp to Dartmoor. And anyway, he was he was he was just a grunt too, uh, and his NCOs has said. Right, okay, no one move. Absolute silence until I give the word. And again, this was a night exercise and everything. <laughs> so he waited and uh, nothing happened. And he thought, gosh, you know, it's been a good hour now. <laughs> I haven't heard a word. <laughs> anyway, so eventually he went like this. <laughs> so <if> anyone, <laughs> anyone would would ball him out for making a noise. And no uh, one did. Just- so then he went, hello? And there was absolute silence. <laughs> so he thought, bloody hell, they've all gone off and left me. So he was. it was the middle of the night and he was on I had no idea where he was at all. So he stumbled along and eventually was captured by by boys from Camford who were also having, <laughs> also having <laughs> I mean, a night exercise at exactly the same time and was then brought in. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, at that time there was um, – obviously we were, you know, in the middle of a Cold War and yeah. the, the, our, our armed forces were huge. And there was a huge re- recruitment, uh, you know, initiative at that time, wasn't there? So school CCFs and all the kind of recruitment around it was was massive. There was money uh, to do yeah. that to um, yeah. to make sure that yeah. you were drawing in uh, yes, new I recruits. That's I what guess. It's all about. And yeah. Um, yeah, so I was I was at university actually, and I and I um, after my first year, I thought, right now I've got to I've got to think about what I what I want to do. And, um, I joined the OTC and it was, it was actually, it was good fun. It was, it was, uh, but we had, it was, a, it was, it was about six or seven steps up from anything else. It was quite a dedicated recruitment, uh, yeah, right. ground, you know? So we did, we went on proper exercises to practice our, uh, infantry skills and what have you in, uh, Salisbury Plain. But I just remember standing there in a, tra- in a trench, <laughs> really cold on a sunday morning and uh i had this uh guy who was he was he was a, a student but he'd been 
you know, he was on a scholarship. So he was a, he'd already been to Sandhurst. I think his dad was a general, you know, and he absolutely spoke like that. It was fantastic. Having an absolute brilliant time. Solitary plane. I was going, are you not, are you not cold at all? Because this is awful. Um, <laughs> and I think it was about that time. I just thought, yeah, I'm not, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. It's not really it's, my bag. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, going back to college and people saying, yeah, we had a great weekend. Went to the cinema. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Ben, the other thing is that what I remember very clearly about, about all those old sort of military um, mm. ex-majors who became teachers at, and also, then I remember we had this amazing guy at Chalk Valley called John Hamilton, who'd been at Dunkirk. He was 102 and still doing sort of sit-ups yeah. five amazing. times a day and, and so on. And it was the way they spoke because they, they sort of – the emphasis would be on odd words. Yeah. Yes, I did see Monty. And, and, it, <laughs> and it would sort of go up and down the whole time. Yeah, And, and I remember were. he was saying, you know, sort of – um how he shot down a Stuka at Dunkirk. What? Well, I saw the plane and aimed the gun, brought him down! You know, <laughs> you know it's just, and I just thought, well, just, people just don't talk like that anymore. It's just no. very funny. I think we had a teacher who was, um, who just missed out and he sort of almost like got into the cockpit of a Spitfire and then, and then it was, that was, it was over. It was like shutting was like, down oh. a film. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. So he nearly, uh, you know, got got to fly in the war, but didn't quite. I think he sort of always carried that slight regret. Anyway, that's um, it's another generation. A whole so so whole. Ben, um, just touch on ghosts. Yeah, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a massive fanboy, but I mean, it all looks like you have so much fun doing it. I have to say, yeah. We do, it's, and you must have uh, fun being the captain, don't you? I mean, yeah, a, a huge amount of fun. I mean, it was one back of those, on your heels um, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but yeah, it's like uh, when when we when we started to come up with the idea, I think it was very 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 quickly. We all because we'd known each other for such a long time, and we played all different types of historical characters. We hit upon this idea and thought, oh, well, it's great because people know us for that. So let's pick some characters that you know will operate in a sitcom nicely. So they all have to disagree. They all have to have different opinions. And what better uh, crowds put together than people from different historical eras? Of course, they're going to have yeah. different opinions and different ways of approaching their afterlife. So we all started suggesting who we might like to be. And I immediately knew it had to be <laughs> a sort of frustrated <laughs> army captain uh, who was a bit older, but was still only a captain. So he'd come to it late and then this sort of history for him developed into it was it was I, I, I suppose because because of those people I'd grown up with and around you know it was actually I suppose a sort of defence mechanism really to chuckle at them and to find them amusing and they were amusing but I but what I loved was the sort of sense of frustration that you're not allowed to say I'm frustrated it's a generational yeah. thing but it's also <laughs> yes. it's a lovely character study it's like you want you desperately want the captain to relax you just you want him to take his jacket off and just just kick just kick back mate it's fine but he's never going to because everything has to be in can't. order he just can't and everything has it. to be absolutely right and no one listens to him which is exactly what <laughs> what i remember <laughs> from school it's like yeah he's asked to do that but no one no one's going to listen to you mate <laughs> you have no authority <laughs> um so it's he's really really fun to play and 
fun to write for and yeah it's really it, it we do have an enormous amount of fun and, and, and it's because we know each other so well um going on to set is a uh will always be a joy i mean it's um it's sure. it's a ridiculous uh it's a ridiculous job to have but it it's it's such fun to 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 uh you know the the the, the real hard work is putting putting it all together you know it takes it takes months to create a series and um it, there's a there's a sense of oh we made it across the line to actually get onto set and, <laughs> and have the yeah. fun yeah yeah and the story uh, of the two Luftwaffe pilots <laughs> oh right so uh, originally um we we toyed with uh I have a friend who actually lives not far from you James who uh told me the story of a <laughs> in the second world war a um I think a, a Heinkel got lost on some bomb right. run anyway it it had been injured and it was coming down trailing smoke flew over this house and the butler rushes out and he sees the canopy you know of this uh pilot come down lands in the woods he rushes out and this poor um Luftwaffe pilot's there just slightly dazed and he goes he goes right you stay there stay exactly where you are rushes back puts his old world war one uniform on rushes back and of course the guy's vanished into the trees and they have to they have to hunt him down in the woods they have to get the police involved it's like what are you oh god he goes well, i couldn't arrest him without my uniform on that wouldn't be so we had i told him this story i told jim this story and it was like oh wouldn't it be great though if we had a ghost who was a downed luftwaffe pilot and he was just yeah it'd be really funny it'd be really good and i slightly you know uh, uh it, you know that would have been lovely some just this downed uh, Luftwaffe pilots just hanging around these guys, but then we sort of—I um, don't know why we rejected that—and then and then it came onto well, these 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 old houses were taken over in the war a lot. They were uh, requisitioned for various headquarters and you know operational. Uh, uh, you know they, they they had to be taken over. So I just thought, oh well, that that that, that works, and then let's let's play around with this character. Um, and so that's that's how he came about. Um, well, maybe for quite, season six, yeah, could, <laughs> yeah, you could we introduce could, him. We well, you've got your 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 man down anyway. Now that Mary's gone, so this is it. Yeah, yeah, this is it. Poor old Mary. Yeah, no, it's. Um, I was gutted when that happened. I, you I know, absolutely well, threw it me. A, it was a um, it was a tough episode to write. It was a really sad episode. But you know, uh, Katie had said, "I, you know, I can't, I can't do another series." So. You're gonna to have to think of what a way that? to 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 let me go. It was a sad moment for everyone. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Well, anyway, I still thought the Luftwaffe pilots sort of hanging in the air was very. Yeah, funny. that was fun. That was fun today. Really, really <laughs> funny. I laughed out loud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we've got a Christmas special, haven't we? And we've got an, we do, a, yes, and there is, there is an, there is another series coming out. Uh, yeah, I think uh, by the time this goes out, it will be announced. I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, we are we're going into uh, <laughs> we're going into filming uh, uh, series five. This is why I've got my moustache um, because I'm I'm prepping for January. Ah, brilliant! <laughs> pushing the cap, pushing the captain's tash out, and uh... <laughs> oh, well, Ben, it's been great to have you on. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so, so much. much for uh, for talking yeah, to us. A real pleasure. I mean, the CCF stuff. That my my memories of that. It sounds like we all have roughly the yeah. roughly an identical it's just experience. So funny it's in, in yeah. retrospect, very yeah. similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember we got we got we got inspected by Dwyn Bramall. 
Phil Marshall, Edwin Bramall Good. came round to inspect us because it was the 75th anniversary of our CCF. And imagine him uh, agreeing to it, going, will there be wine? Yeah. There will be wine, I'll do it. You know, it just sort of, I can't imagine these these people giving up their time to go and <laughs> inspect oh, a group Jesus. of ragtag boys. You don't know what yeah, they're doing. Absolutely, absolutely <laughs> hopeless. Very funny. Our history teacher was was nominally in charge. He was the officer. And he yeah. looked exactly like the rather sort of wimpy officer in Ain't Half Hot Mum. Right. The sort yeah. of number two. Yeah, yeah. He looked yeah. exactly like him. Sounded like him. <laughs> and then um and then the guy who was the um who actually ran it was Mr. Walker. And you know, it was all the you are a little boy and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it was just R S M Jones. It's the same for us. Oh yes, R S M Walker. Get your gobbling rods out and eat your dinner. It's all that. Amazing. All that. Amazing. Yeah. Really, really, really funny. Happy days. I still still try and get the boys out the front door in the morning, emulating a drill sergeant from my OTC days. Really. Grab your packs. Get your packs on, Bergens, weapon systems, let's go. <laughs> Get your boots on. Yeah. All right, listen like, in, lads, listen in. Yeah, it's like, okay, on me. And it's like, I can't. And the boys look at me like, what are you doing? Why is this guy here? What language is this you who, speak? Who are, who are you? Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't well, forget your day sack. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, thank, thanks again, Ben. Oh, was no, been, real been pleasure. Lovely to talk to you. Real pleasure. Uh, yeah. Have a great Christmas. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you again very soon. Cheerio. Cheerio. Cheerio.